Welcome to the Five More Minutes Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back. I know it's been a little bit of a long time since you've heard this podcast. Uh, we've been on a kind of a, a break. We've gone through... Um, a couple of rotations of the flu, um, a little bit of a research deadline panic. We've had Christmas, we've had New Year's, and um, and honestly, I was just like, I don't know if I can do this podcast, I don't have time, but I've been getting some really great feedback from you, and I am currently in New Jersey with Cousin Paul, creating some content, and so he's just like, no, we need to do the podcast, people love the podcast, we're going to do this. So welcome back, we are, we are kicking off 2020 with this podcast. Um, I just came from a tour from Manitoba. And I was just like, well, I'm kind of halfway to New Jersey, so just kind of hopped on a little plane. So I've been here for a few days working with Paul. And so this podcast is just me and Paul kicking off, kicking off the new year. And so we were trying to figure out what we could talk about. And uh, so we're going to, he's like, what's going on? What are some new exciting things in the life of Shelley Moore? And so I'm just like, he's like, hey, what about the new book that's coming on? I'm like, perfect. So this podcast is me and Paul and I always get stuck because I'm like well what are the questions I'm gonna ask because Paul's such a conversationalist so he goes okay how about I interview you and then you can have kind of an exemplar to refer to I'm like perfect so this is kind of like a backwards podcast so this we are going to have Paul interviewing me about the book so you can kind of hear about the new book that's coming out and uh, hear a little bit more about cousin Paul he's the new dad and so uh, yeah we're here he always makes me work hard when I come to visit so this is our first podcast of 2020, uh, first of many, first of many. Uh, Cousin Paul and I talking about the new book. If you don't know Paul or need a reminder, Paul is our editor, producer, and my cousin, who is uh, the behind the scenes of Five More Minutes, does all the editing for the videos and the podcast and the strategies and the visuals. So he's a, a big part of the work that we're doing together. So uh, yeah, sit back, relax, and have a little, have, I hope you have a coffee in hand or you're in your car and uh, enjoy my conversation with Cousin Paul. Hi, everybody. You know, today we're going to do things a little backwards because usually I interview someone, but I'm trying to still learn to be an interviewer. So I'm actually going to be the interviewee today. And good old Cousin Paul, who is the master of conversation, um, he is going to interview me about my new book so let's say hi to paul hey paul hello everyone hello so, five more minutes right uh, world yeah five sure. more minutes, five minutes for- we should it's like you know that podcast um my favorite murder they call their followers murderinos we should be we should be can we just use that murderinos <laughs> <laughs> or include inclusioninos inclusioninos inclusion inclusionistos hey Inclusionistos. Not bad. Not bad. We'll play with it. So cousin Paul is here, um, and uh, this it's so funny because me and Paul are we're in contact pretty frequently. We talk once a week. At totally, least. but we live across the continent from each other. Like I like it's far away. So often Paul will will send me these little texts and be like, Hey Shelly, don't forget to post a story today on Instagram. I'm like, Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just or Hey Shelly, do you have a podcast to send me? <laughs> like. <laughs> the night before and I'm like yeah 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 and I pretend to have a nap or I'm actually napping one of the two and so um so this week I'm actually here uh in New Jersey where Paul lives just lost the feet and now we're back 
And so he sends me all of these little messages from afar. And I just, you know, go about my day. And sometimes I do it. Sometimes, sometimes you reply, sometimes, sometimes you don't. I don't. Which, you know, is how I roll, but he goes with it. The one that gets you is, hey, Shelly, is your phone broken? Yeah. <laughs> Never. Never. I couldn't survive. Um, so I had some cancellations this week. And so I was just like, hey, you know what? I need to make some more content um, for our Five More Minutes video channel. Why don't I come to New Jersey and we could do some filming, which we did yesterday. Right, because we... We usually film in batches. So yeah, like three or four. Information about, for people to know, we yeah. film three or four at a time. Yeah. When you come out, mm-hmm. usually you're in like Wisconsin. Toronto or, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out something east. out, at least partway here. Right. This time was Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Hey, Winnipeg. And, uh, is it windy in Winnipeg still? No, that's Chicago. I found, I was in Winnipeg once and it was very windy. Really? Yeah. Well, it's pretty flat. Yeah. Although, you know what I learned that windy Chicago is not because of the wind it's because of the shifty politics oh that's windy. why it's called the windy city yes I didn't know that who knew who knew I thought Win- Lethbridge was the windy city It. that's it's very actually they're not very shifty in politics no. they're pretty consistent but I had, I had a friend windy who, who grew up in Lethbridge mm-hmm. he said it was very windy southern Alberta but it's because of those plains right right right. so, so flat. flat so flat so flat um, so, so back on track yeah <laughs> we make the videos by we film yeah we go hard and we filmed three or four yeah. of the episodes. And a lot goes into an episode. It's a lot Overly. of setup. Uh, we a lot use, of panicking. A lot of panicking. Shelly writes a script. Then she, mm-hmm. you'll read it through. And yeah. then you'll rewrite the script on the spot. <laughs> and then... Uh, and Paul's so patient. I'm and then we patient. have a break and go to Panera. Yeah, we always go to Panera. Uh, which is like the Tim Hortons of America. Well, you know, Tim Hortons is kind of going downhill a bit, so I would say no, that... No, take that back. No, I'm serious. I love Tim Hortons. I, you know what? It, it's They're starting to like make weird things like French toast breakfast sandwiches with a that donut sounds, on top. No. But no, it's not no, good. No. Tim Hortons, you get a donut, you get a coffee, mm. you get a bagel. Right. Done. But now they have these like... They have French toast fries. Like, no. Oh, they're trying to... They're trying to be like Burger King. No, right. enough. Trying to mix it up. No. Canadians don't like to mix it up. We like our double doubles. Don't Just mess with what works. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Okay, so, so Panera. back on track. <laughs> Jeez. This is why it takes me so long to make content. It's okay. It's okay. It's good content. Mm-hmm. So uh, we film like crazy for a day or two, and then uh, and then I go into the editing process and I ask for notes and whatnot for yeah. the graphics and all that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know. Take some time. What are we even talking about? I've completely forgotten. Where are we going with this? You know what? We were talking about. Oh, okay. So I was saying how I was coming out here to film, but this is the part that I was going to say. So this is the whole filming process, which I'm aware of. Like, I'm really aware of what we do. Sure. But here's the sneaky part because I can't just have a nap because I'm in New Jersey. Right. Paul just like pops over. He's like, okay, Shelly, we're getting to work. And I'm like, no, we already filmed. He's like, oh, no, no. We have podcasts to make. Podcasts to do. We have book lists to create on Amazon. We have merchandise we have to create. Like, I social get away media with, strategy i get away with nothing when i'm yeah, here so true. if you have been <laughs> but we're gonna do these podcasts yes. and then you're gonna take a nap and then i'm gonna take a nap maybe we should go to panera <laughs> go to panera the broccoli cheddar soup's so good it's it's amazing it's but they're productive trips and we try yeah. to get as much content done as we can yeah. uh in in bunches so that we can release it and yeah. make stuff for totally. everyone because if you know about my life at all and paul does i do is that i don't have a lot of time Right. You know what I mean? So, like, the in-between of the travel and stuff, it's very hard to, like, be like, I need a podcast tomorrow. Who am I going to talk to? Like, the flight attendant? Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And so if I don't have a lot of content in the bank, 
it's hard to keep up, which is probably why you've noticed an absence lately. Right. And so, <laughs> uh, the, the, it's been what, since the start of the year? You it's know been what? a busy start of the year. November, I and think. And you host, you, you had a big, uh, you hosted a lot of people for Christmas. Yeah, we did. And that takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Hosting's I, a lot of I've realized, fun. though, that, like, because I've moved to an island, too, mm. it's even harder to do things last minute. Right. right. So Paul and I have sat down. We've made a schedule of content. Yes. He's very useful. We're going to put out consistent content. Consistent content. We're going to have a bank of content. So on those Sunday nights when I'm like, there is no way I'm doing a podcast right now, we'll have one. We'll have one. I'll have it edited. In the bank. Ready, ready to go. Ready to go. So we're just trying to kind of create it. Because you know what? What's happening is I'm going around the world and people are like, Shelly. Where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? I love the podcast. And here's the thing though about podcasting. Like right now, for example, we are in your mom, my aunt's dining room. Yes. There's nobody here. Right. It's me and you. And I still in my head think, who cares about what me and Paul are talking about? But you know what? People come up to me and they're like, Shelly, we listened to your podcast driving to San Diego. Right. And I'm like, that's a long drive. They're like... People listen to this stuff. People love podcasts. They love podcasts. So I made some. So we're going to make a commitment. We're making a commitment. For all the people who listen to our podcast. Yeah. We are going to create content for you. That uh, that we're going to have con- consistent content. Mm-hmm. That's our commitment. And then we what we need it. from all the listeners and people in the Five More Minutes yep. community is that we ask everyone to share the content with someone totally. who can find it useful. Seriously. And you know what someone said to me, actually, which was really neat? Someone came up to me and he's like, you know what's good about your podcast, Jelly? He's like, I don't just share the podcast. I share specific episodes with specific people. And I kind of like that. Do you know what I mean? Because I I want them to be useful. And sometimes things are more useful. Like the last one we did was with Danielle and Connor, the mom and the little guy with Down syndrome. And people love that. It's a whole bunch of parents really tuned into that Right. So if there was a parent who's going through something similar, they can share that with a friend. Exactly. Which is exactly what Danielle, she's so amazing. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is, is that... Honestly, this was like a side project to procrastinate my PhD research, but it's actually becoming something that is really useful to people. And so it's kind of bumped up it it up on my priority list to be like, this is something that deserves time that's carved out. But I've also realized that the best way to do this is to plan ahead. Planning ahead. I'm a big planner. This is why I get things done when I'm with you. Right. Because you don't let me just like go watch Mr. Rogers on the couch. You're like, no, get in here. (laughs) We're doing a podcast. Test your mic. Well, the thing is, uh, I like to plan and I don't like doing things last minute. <laughs> so I wear a good balance. So it's, it balances out. So this will be great. So this is, this is our new. So this, this, is our, this is our kickoff podcast. New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution podcast. And so then while we were filming yesterday, Paul's like, well, what we were talking about this idea. Like, what should we do for this kickoff podcast? And I'm like, Oh, Paul, because you know what he says? He's like, why don't we talk about your new book and tell people what it's about? And I'm sure. like, you're so brilliant. So let's let's get into it. So Paul's going to interview me. All, it's all comes back. Right. So we need to rewind. That was a big surprise. Okay. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we thought, hey, this is a great opportunity because the book's coming up. You know, it's coming out in a couple months. <laughs> no, don't well, laugh. <laughs> it was supposed to. But, you know. Windows. Windows of windows of time. So Windows my, of Arrival. My, my, that's my, that's what I know, this is Windows of Book readiness. 
<laughs> my publisher is, is so fantastic and they're so supportive and uh, they they actually were very smart to re- to pre to pre-release it so that right. people could pre-order it but they wanted it to be ready by May and I'm like <clears throat> I love you so much, but there's no way. There's no way. So I've noticed the date on Amazon has been pushed back a bit to but February, okay. but I don't think it'll take that long. I want this thing done. Like it's it's yeah, coming. It's coming. We we had a yeah good conversation about it, and it, it's yeah. looking good. You know what? I'm really proud of this book. Okay, so yeah. let's let's step back. Okay. So what is this book? What's the title? Okay. So let's, this let's, this is a big reveal, even though everyone, okay, big you, know, reveal. you can find it on Amazon. Big reveal. And, yeah. So this book is called all for one and it's actually, um, the first book of a two parter. Ooh. So expect the second book within the next 10 years. <laughs> 2030. 2030. So this book's called all for one. Um, I'm playing off the theme of one, which the first book is one without the other. And uh, one without the other, if you've read it, is very much about like anecdotes and stories and kind of what inclusion is. And right. it was written in 2016, and it's kind of funny because if I were to do an, like a re-release of that, right. what is that called? Uh, new edition. The new edition, right? It, my definition of inclusion would totally change. So it's right. interesting how. But it's it's also kind of your origin story. It is. That's a good. That's a good way to look at like it. Like how yeah. you got here. Totally. That's exactly it. It's kind of like this is what inclusion means to me today. Right. So it's, let yeah. me ask you about that yeah. then. So if you were to summarize that book yeah. and what inclusion meant to you then, then, like really simply, what would it yeah. be for anyone who's considering to read that book? Because you should definitely read that book. Yeah, so be- it's basically broken up into two sections. And the first section is, okay, what is inclusion? And um, and bas- at the time, I would have said that inclusion is you know shifting away from how do we include people who are different Right. To how do we teach to difference? Right. Okay. So looking at disability as one of the many things that make us different. Okay. Right? So it's it's kind of focused in on the difference. Well, it's it's focusing on uh, it's focusing in on disability specifically as difference. Right. And then the second half of the book are basically stories of students and right. stories of my own life that has helped me understand what inclusion is, but also what it isn't. Like the right. second half is debunking myths. Right. And inclusion. why it's important. Totally. Right. Exactly. So let me ask you this. If yeah. you were to new uh, edition it, what yes. would it be? Well, I can tell you exactly. And uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. So that book was about, the whole idea is about teaching to diversity. Okay. Right? But what, and this actually leads nicely into the next book, because this is a, a piece of all for one, which is right. if we really want to teach to diversity, we have to know what the diversity of our kids are. But what I'm realizing that's even more important than that is that kids need to know how they're diverse. Right. But you can't tell someone that they're diverse. Right. Ooh, right. Interesting. Yeah. Like, like, if, like people, I remember people telling me when I was young, Shelly, I think you're gay. And I'd be like, whatever. Right. You, know, you can't tell someone who they are. Right. They have right? to figure out. They totally have in to. They have to they, it's a journey. Right? Yeah, sure, sure. And so I actually am realizing like, can we actually teach to diversity if, Kids don't know who they are. Right. And so then the question is, well, how do we support kids to know who they are? Sure. And so now my whole understanding of inclusion is not just teaching to diversity, but teaching to identity. Oh, interesting. Right? Helping kids to figure out, like, the, the dots, what their colors are. Right, right. Right? And then to kind of build on that is, okay, so if we're helping kids to figure out who they are without telling them, but really making it safe for them to discover that on their own right then the next part is is well how do we then learn from difference right so it's it's kind of walking the line between you know teaching to someone who has a different need Mm -hmm. but it's not a secret 
to that person. Well, and that's a, that's a good point because for a long time, and even with my own experience, no one tells you why something's hard for you. Right. Right? right. And so in the disability world, and still is very much the case where people don't tell kids that they have a disability. Right. Because it, for, for a lot of people, we see that as a burden or something we want to fix. True. As opposed to like the disability community is kind of pushing back and being like, no, I'm autistic. And that's okay. And that's okay. Just right. like, let's figure per- out how to make this you're work. You're a for person me, of color. Great. Yeah. Oh, and you're from, you know what I mean? Like it's looking sure. at it as an identity in the same way that we look at any identity. Right. It's not right. something that we need to hide. It's something that we need to know about ourselves. Right. And so that, if I were to say, what is inclusion now? It's, it's even bigger than disability. It's saying, how do we help kids to know the parts of them that make them who they are? Right. And know that it's okay. Right. And then as for people who uh, are giving support to those people to understand how to pivot and yeah. understand and, and support in a different way. to them, yeah. yeah. Without the goal being to change them. Right. Or fix them, which is very much that medical model of disability that we're trying to push against with the content we're creating. Right. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. Fun, that's, right? So would you say the the first book was a door with one hinge and the second book <laughs> is the, the hinge, the second hinge you know to what? the door? The first book is one door, the second book is double doors. Oh, that's French, great. Beautiful French doors. And so the third book. Okay. So <laughs> <just> <laughs> Here's the thing. Inclusion's a moving target. Sure. So it's like, always going to change. If we have this conversation again in five years, I'll have another evolution of this, right? Right, right. But kind of connecting then to the second book, what the, what the first book doesn't have that the second book is going to have mm-hmm. is really the how, right? Okay. So the first book is looking at like what is this and why is it important, but it doesn't really have a lot of like practical strategies. Sure. And so this is what these two kind of partner books are going to be is how do we how do we do this sure. in ways that honor diversity and identity? Uh-huh. Um, from a, an ability and disability perspective, but right. not limited to that. Right. I think right. the the interesting part as an outsider, I'm not an educator, but you know, coming to understand what inclusion is more mm-hmm. is that the idea that uh, we're not all the same, mm-hmm. and so you can't just batch educate people. Well, exactly. So yeah. it's that's probably been the most interesting thing because, from an outsider perspective, mm-hmm. just someone who was you know went through public school and totally. whatnot, and everyone had to do everything exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Everyone's plan was the same thing. You know, I. I think that's probably the hardest thing to mm-hmm. get your head wrapped around is that maybe that batch education, you know, uh, does it make of, sense? No, like casting a net, <laughs> you know, just then seeing what you catch, you know, it's no, totally. Kinda, and you know what, actually, and this actually, I want to do another podcast with you, sure. which is what has Paul learned from this? Sure. You know what I mean? We'll do it. Because like when we started this, you like you're basically you had your educational experience. Sure. Sure. You right. Know? Yeah. And I had limited, I, yeah. I didn't even know that this whole world actually, existed. Well, who even knows that? Well, you know, exactly. That things could change or be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, really know I, what you know. Yeah, and I could have benefited greatly from mm-hmm. probably a different system. I'm very artistic, mm-hmm. so just we'll get into this later. But even like uh, I remember, I was in third grade and I was doing uh, like just my letters or like second yeah. grade or something like that. And I was doing my letters, and the teacher didn't like how my letters looked, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know. Uh, they tried to help me figure out how to write my letters better but what they didn't realize is that I was just I'm I was a as a child I was a gifted drawer like yeah. I was great at you were sketching. trying to make it interesting I was making it interesting and, <laughs> and no one took a second to they just thought oh you don't do it like everyone else right there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. you're broken which is exactly 
how we look at kids in school. Right. Right. Which is, and this is, I mean, if you kind of really dig into this inclusion initiative, it's, it's, that's the element that we're trying to push against. Right. Is that if we're really going to teach to the diversity of our kids, we cannot assume that the goal is for them to be the same. Right. Because then that's not diversity, that's assimilation. Right. Which is the total opposite of inclusion. Exactly. Exactly. So this book, you dive more into IEPs. Yeah. So the first book is. And actually, let's, let's. Describe what an IP is, because okay. I recently learned doing a video having to like spell out the acronyms. <laughs> I know, poor Paul. Yeah. I'm just like, here's the acronym. He's like, great. What, what does, does mean? that mean? Because there's a lot of acronyms in education. There's a ton okay. of acronyms. So okay, so before I tell you, okay, so there's two books here that are going to be going together, and they're both about the how from two perspectives. Because before I get into the IEP, I have to tell you this: is that in education, there's two really big, like silos okay so there's the curriculum Mm -hmm. side where your classroom teachers are and then there's the special education side which is your kids with disabilities okay and historically they're very very separate and so IEPs or individual education plans have very much come from the special education side sure and then the curricular plans or the classroom plan comes from the curriculum side right and there's a very problematic it's very problematic because these people don't often talk to each other or they haven't historically. Right. But also IEPs, which these individual education plans, when they were originally designed, they weren't designed to be applied to a classroom. Right. Okay. And so this is a very, very long, cause basically what an IEP is, it's for a student that, you know, doesn't fit into a classroom plan, right. For whatever reason, um, historically it's been because you have a disability, right. Right. So then you have this, this individualized education, education plan that kind of you know is it's it, I mean you're supposed to it's supposed to be integrated with the classroom but really it runs parallel okay because it's not very common or it's not very often that um, it's built with a classroom plan it's, it's very very much it's separate it's separate and it's like, applied to an already existing classroom plan okay and which, it's don't once it's going don't touch it just let well, it be well that's the sad part is that like again like i don't think that's how it was designed but these plans which are supposed to be for these individual kids so that they show growth according to their own continuum right mm-hmm. have really what they've become are these very very heavy accountability and policy documents okay. that are no longer plans right, right? So, so you're taking benchmarking and all like it's very seeing it's where becoming, people are coming and this is yeah like yeah. it's like you're taking these kids that already aren't average mm-hmm. And you're trying to figure out where they fit within a standardized system oh, and then trying to fix them to make them fit. Like, it's, it's so backwards, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And so, um, you know. So even even an individual plan for, for an individual yeah. is the underlying goal has become to, to be just the same. assimilate into no, the rest of No, for sure. When, when that's just not, it's not possible. It's not, it's, it's not, and it's I don't no know longer. if you realize this about humans, but everyone's different. <laughs> Everyone is different. <laughs> but it's also like changing the goal away from, like the goal isn't to be the same. Right. And like that's a fundamental shift in education, right? And so individual education plans, if you've ever made them, I'll tell you what happens. What's supposed to happen is, you know, stakeholders come around and together including the student and the family and the teachers, everyone comes together right. and we create this individual plan that reflects the needs of this particular kid. What actually happens in reality though, is that, I mean, I worked in a high school, so when a teacher has 210 kids on their oh caseload, they're right. not gonna show up for an extra meeting to talk about one kid to see no. how they already, like it's, it right. wasn't, it's not practical. Elementary, it happens more, the collaborative design. Right. But also, and parents are in a different place when their kids are in elementary school oh, in that they're 100%. very engaged. Well, and I mean, a lot of the parents that I'm not saying with, high school 
parents aren't engaged. But no. it, I'll know. tell you what happens to sure. parents in high school. It's one of two things happen. Because I worked with parents from grades 8 to 12, and one of two things happen. Either they become like the super advocates, mm-hmm. or they get tired of fighting and not not getting their kids' needs met, right, right? Right. And so a lot of the parents that I had were incredible parents, but I mean, like this book will take you through this process, but I interviewed a whole bunch of parents mm-hmm. um, for my master's graduate work, and parents were just like, we're so tired of coming to meetings to be told and reminded of all the things our kids can't do. Right. You know, it's and it's just like, like we yeah. know what our kids can't do, sure. uh, you know, telling us the things that they need, supports that they're not gonna get. Right. You know, like we would rather just do what we do you know like it just it, sure. it wasn't useful which right. is the big which is the big conversation that came out of all of these interviews is there's so many resources that go into these individual plans that aren't even plans they're policies right <laughs> right right there's so much resources time people funding that go into creating these but they're not useful to anyone they're right. not useful they're to not classroom teachers they're not effective they're not efficient right but we do them because that's what's been done right and so this book is basically the, the, the story of British Columbia and how we kind of, like the group of teachers kind of came together and we're just like, there's got to be a better way to use these resources. Because right. the underlying elements of an IEP, there are very important elements. Like we need to be accountable to these students, right? Um, it's, you know, I've never met a person who knows what every single kid needs in the diversity continuum, sure, you know what I mean? Impossible. And so yeah. it's the, it's definitely a plan that can help people to see like, hey, well, what does a student with Down syndrome need that's different than someone who doesn't have it? Like things sure. like that, right? I think it could be a very informative document that that is useful to create a plan, but that's not how they're used. They're, they're very much used to um, drive funding, to drive assessments, to drive—they've right. like become a very po- politicized document right. that is no law. Lo- it's moved so far away from actually helping the kid right. that parents are frustrated, kids are frustrated, teachers are frustrated, and, and no one's getting support. no one's getting what they need, right. and it's pulling the resources that could be used to actually support kids in classrooms. Right. right? So let me ask you this thing. Yeah. So brief. Why are they useful? Okay. So what they could be useful for, right. I think is again and you have to look at this in terms of context i think if you look historically kids in a segregated self-contained setting where everybody in that setting has an iep they might be useful because often it's a very one-to-one setting or a small group kind of two or three to one setting Mm -hmm. but in a classroom that's that's not the same context right like not everybody in a classroom has an individual education plan and that's also not the goal and so they've kind of created these documents that are not meant to work with other documents and taken them and applied them to an already existing classroom plan as opposed to what i think they should be useful for which is how can a classroom teacher look at an IEP and say, how is this going to inform right. my classroom plan for everybody? Right. Not something we're going to apply afterwards, right. not something we're going to do parallel, but how does this document give me the information I need mm-hmm. to plan for this entire community? Right. Okay. So it's more of a, an opportunity to look at the data and well, assess and, and be well, more... Look at, look, at the, look at the data, but also look at the kid to right. be like... So, so yes, because like, th- there's very useful data. But this is the other thing, too, sure. is that very often you lose the story in the data. Oh, interesting. Right? Right, right? And so some of these things can't be quantified. And so this is one of the parts of the IEP that we also notice is that these these documents have become so policy-made, policy kind of... Cr- heavy. Heavy. Laden. Yeah. That you lose the story of the kid and the family in there, right? right? right. Like who are these people that these documents are representing? Right. And so the other thing I think they're really useful for is how can this 
document, mm-hmm. not lose that face. Right. So do you find that I could imagine, you know, with any school system, the handoff between grades, that's already difficult. Absolutely. So yeah. do you think there's a way to use IEPs to mm-hmm. help assist that? Well, and I think this is actually a big question for all kids too, which is, you know, these IEP documents that are designed for a year, right? The, the, the transition from year to year to year often isn't very clear, which was another piece of feedback from parents. Like these just, all that changes is the date. (laughs) That's what one parent said, you know, like what's the actual progress, but that's, that's a big question for kind of all kids. Like how do, how are all kids progressing over time, over like the bigger window of, of grades? And this has been a question that's come up a lot in terms of assessment in general for all kids, you know, and how do we keep track of what kids have done and where they are in the school continuum, not just a grade continuum or a unit continuum? Wouldn't it be funny if instead of, you know, growing up, you hear like, oh, this is going on your permanent record. Oh. But wouldn't it be great if the permanent record was like your story on how you learn? Your story. And- <laughs> wouldn't it be beautiful? And you know what? And I think like there's been different initiatives to try and do that. Like this is my learning story. Right. And the more that we're getting okay with the fact that these stories don't have to be the same, the more it's allowing kids to be themselves, right? Sure. But then how do you capture that? How do you right. capture right. that story? We should make an app. Well, funny that you say that because technology is making this possible sure right and so if you look at you know districts that are very forward thinking um, a lot of the infrastructure for all kids to capture their learning story is portfolios you know so as opposed to these standardized exams of do this do this do this do this how do we capture the learning story of these kids through a portfolio assessment which is beautiful that'd be great and lots of districts are moving that way but then here's the thing paul yes students on ieps who would really benefit from this learning journey are still very much assessed according to quantitative statistics of observations. And so it was kind of like, if all kids are moving to learning journeys and like stories of how they're progressing, why aren't the kids who probably would benefit from that from the most also not doing that? And so it's, it's bring up a whole assessment question of why isn't the assessment on IEPs the goal? Like all of the things that make an IEP an IEP aligning with kind of the research-based methods of how we're teaching and assessing all kids. Right. Right? It's still this, like, so imagine you have a classroom and you have these beautiful portfolios of kids showing their learning in different ways and then you have this IEP document that relies on quantitative evidence of SMART goals for this one kid. Right. You can't put that. They don't work together. They don't. They're they're completely counteractive learning theories. Sure, sure. So, like, it makes, it it is absolutely no surprise at all that a teacher would look at that document and being like, I'm not even going to read it. Like, it doesn't help me at all. And I would actually rather do portfolio with this kid than to, like, spend time doing tally marks on how many times they raise their hand. You know, like, it doesn't doesn't align. And so this was, and this was a huge part of this book. It's like, okay, because NBC, I don't know if you know, but in British Columbia, and this is happening all over the world, there's a Mm -hmm. huge curricular reform, right? Because we're realizing a few things about kids, and we've made some videos about this, which is, (laughs) you know, the skills of of society today are changing. They're not like they were in the Industrial Revolution. And so this is causing a huge curriculum reform because even kids that do everything right and get 99 percent mm-hmm. are getting into the world and having a hard time sure i uh, actually right you see it i see All it so time. much in, in my circles of yeah you know where i'm 36 yeah and so, i see it like like crazy yeah i was like i can write a fair five paragraph essay sure but i don't know how to take the sky train right you know like sure. the skills are really changing and yeah. so this curriculum this shift in curriculum is is trying to align more with they call it the kind of 21st century skills of learning right right 
And the thing about this curriculum shift, which is why it was significant, is this wasn't just an update. Because so usually with curriculum, they'd be like, oh, we're going to update math. Or we're going to update art, <laughs> sure, you know? Sure. But this was everything changed at the same time. An overhaul. Overhaul. And when when everything changes at the same time, they're not just changing what is the curriculum, mm -hmm. they're changing how we use curriculum. Right. Like it's a paradigm shift. Sure. And so this was a huge opportunity to say, okay, well, if everything is changing, why don't IEPs also change? Right. Right? And so all of the curriculum and the IEP came out, and the, the new IEP came out, and we're like, that's it. This is this is worse. This is you oh know really? I mean? Was like that it, much worse? Well, it just it was the exact same, right? As it always has been, and I'm just like, well, just because we've done it the same way doesn't right. mean it has to stay and the so, same way. And so, like, the ministry in British Columbia is on an island off of Vancouver, so I always make the joke like, sure. I swam to Victoria for this fight. Sure, <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Because that's how much it was worth to me. Right. And this is uh, not a metaphorical this, island. This is an this actual. Is an actual <laughs> <laughs> It took. It would take days, but sure. it's worth it that to me. Right. Around this idea of like, why this is like it's it's the perfect opportunity to right. change how things are done, yeah. and a change how resources are used. Sure. And then it came out. We're like, it was like just like just a punch a in the gut. So would you say, in this book, you mm. start to outline maybe what it could be? Well, that's exactly it. So the, the book, like this book started 10 years ago when sure. this curriculum design started to be like right. a group of teachers at our school were like, no, like there's got to be a better way. And districts kind of came together. And over the, that 10, 10 year process, over 30 districts were involved. Wow. That was totally like, a, like it wasn't from the top down. It was totally a grassroots movement to be sure. like, this has to be different, right? right. And so the book is that story. It's and a hands-on. Right, and then the feedback that we got from districts and um, just the process of what would an IEP look like if it was aligned to the curriculum design elements of today, right. not of 50, yesteryear. 100 years ago, right? <laughs> sure. And so some of those elements are exactly this idea, like, you know, rather than an IEP being this thing that we apply afterwards, what if an IEP was a part of the curricular design for everybody, right? right? What if IEPs, instead of just being implemented in one place, actually anticipated to be implemented in many places, which is what the point of inclusion is, right? Like, right. we want kids to be included in as many places as possible. Right. You know, what if an IEP, instead of being written for a kid, was written by a kid? Oh, interesting. All of these right. things, and, and having that family and that kid voice. And so this was is very, very much the story of that and kind of where, it, it is a specific to British Columbia story, but when you kind of zoom out and see the big ideas, mm -hmm. you realize that this is not unique to British Columbia. Right. This, there's like a, these principles are, like, they're important to all kids, right? right? Right. And so there's, it's definitely bigger than British Columbia, but I think it's important to hear where it came from, which was where British Columbia is. So yeah, that's it, Paul. That's that's the kind of big picture of the book is the story and the what might this look like. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to. Um, can I get a copy? <laughs> Should I pre-order it? You know what? You can <laughs> on Amazon. You can pre-order it on Amazon. On your new Amazon <laughs> storefront, you made. You're very excited oh, about. I made book lists. I know. People are very excited about it's it. It's very great. Check it out. Um, where can they find the? Your you book know what? List? I posted them on every single YouTube video. Okay, so just go to podcast, a YouTube channel. Yeah, you'll see the link. Just there, do it. Yeah. Okay, and if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go do it now. Oh, totally. Everybody, it's so fun. just go do it. Be a part of our. Be a part of our neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're saying neighborhood because you watched the Mr. Absolutely. Rogers movie. Well, and did you hear what your little nieces call each other? They were playing. No. So Paul, so 
Annie, Paul's sister, right. has four girls. And uh, and so Layla yeah. and Adeline. They're five and four. Yeah, we're playing. And Layla, Layla goes, come on, neighbor. And Adeline's oh, really? like, okay, neighbor. <laughs> That's why? what they're calling each other now when they play. Do you know why? Well, they set up a fort upstairs that was their workstations. And so I think they were like. Neighbors. Their neighbor at their workstation. Isn't that so sweet? Isn't that cute? Those girls. So cute. Um, all right. So ba- let's get back on track. I love getting back on track. Who is this book for? That's such a good question. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I wrote One Without the Other, mm-hmm. this is the first book I've ever written. Right. Because I'm, I, you, you have your whole life to write your first book. Right? <laughs> yes. That's That would be a great t-shirt. Yeah. You have your whole life to... Anyways. I say that because I used to be a musician... Yeah. I guess, are you always a musician? Absolutely. It's an identity. Well, I was making albums and, and stuff, and that's yeah. what everyone says, is that you have, have your whole, whole life, life to write your first record, and you that. wrote it, and it went great. And There you go. And then they say, okay, make another one. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. Well, and this is the thing. Like, I never viewed myself as a writer. Like, if you know my story, you know that writing's very hard. But here's the right. thing, is with this book, this book was simply like, this. that first book that I wrote was very much like, okay, what do I think? Here are some blog journal entries and I'm just going to get it out. And s- I, I never anticipated people would actually like it. Like, right. who's going to read what I think? Sure. But what ended up happening with this book is that because I wrote how I talk, it was really accessible to people. And so who I actually... Because, I mean, I guess I was thinking I was writing to teachers. Right. Do you know what I mean? I don't sure. know, like someone who was like me. Right. But what ended up happening was because of the style, right. it's not very formal. Right. It became very, very accessible to like educational assistants and right. to parents. And I've been getting emails like kids are starting to read it. And right. I, I never anticipated these audiences. So if you asked me who my audience was like five years ago, I'd be like, oh, this is for, for teachers, teachers, classroom teachers and right. support teachers. But I'm like, who knows? I think that... Um, Parents, I think it would be a good book for parents because I think also sometimes parents are told to advocate for things that mm-hmm. maybe don't align with current practices or beliefs, right? Right. And so I think it'll help parents to know what to advocate for for their kids sure. in, a, in an inclusive system. I think that um, self-advocates could probably, I'm hoping that self-advocates, because I'm including some some advocates in, in the book, will see their stories reflected mm. in ways. There's an amazing quote um, called Nothing About Us Without Us, which I hold near and dear to my heart. And so I don't want this to be a book that's just something you do to d- people who have disabilities, but right. something that is a, is a part of their story and their voice is in there too. So right. I'm trying to include um, people with disabilities, students, teachers, right. even like consultants, administrators, avoid all of those voices in the book so that people can see themselves somewhere right. in those pages. So it's very relatable. I hope so. And you want people to feel it's accessible to where they're at. Yeah. Like I've even asked like a nine year old to to write a little thing, you know what I mean? Cause I want people to be, maybe, maybe not the whole book will be relevant to everyone, but I want people to find pieces that will speak to them. That's great. Mm -hmm. I think in the world we're in right now, it's more important than ever for us to all gain perspective Mm -hmm. from everyone, no matter what. Well, and that's that like teaching to identity piece is, well, you know who you are, but do we know that the goal is not to make someone like us right. or is the goal to learn from someone who's different, which I think is, is really what I'm learning. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny that that's a tough turn, I think mm-hmm. for culture sometimes because uh, just our you know Western culture is built on 
assimilation. Assimilation, exactly. You know, we're we're mm. we're all part of a war culture, whether well, you like totally. it or not. We we were, you know, that's just well, where North it came America from. is created out of assimilation, right? right? And so to push back on some of these like huge fundamental beliefs that are right. very problematic, and right. be like okay, well, how do we change the school system when this is also society that needs to be yes, pushed yes. back a little bit? But the great thing about this mm-hmm. and kind of the opportunity for the book mm-hmm. and the five more minutes kind of community is that I believe just because things are the way they are doesn't mean they have to stay that way. Totally. And two, uh, I didn't say one, but I'll say two now, <laughs> uh, is that we, why, why not? Why can't we be better? Well, exactly. Why, why not? Right? There's no reason. There's no reason. There's a quote that I love, and it says, the most dangerous phrase is we've always done it this way. Oh, isn't that the truth? And I think that's applicable to everything. Yeah. Okay, so we have this book coming out. So Mm -hmm. this is order. Everyone go read the first book, one without the other, and then pre-order the second book, which is called... All for One. And then we're going to read that book. We're all going to (laughs) get better at... At this Supporting thing individuals, called exactly, yeah. we're all going to be supportive and, and into it, and then open-minded, open-minded, change our perspectives, everything. Even if people just can start to to understand, just think about it. it you don't have to. You totally. don't have to dive in. No, just, you don't have to just, say this is who I am now. Just say, oh, just I'm, I appreciate crazy. your perspective. That's it. Done. When the world be awesome. Well, you know what? This is really funny because this is coming up a lot lately. Like, just being willing to listen. Yeah. Is the easiest and the hardest thing to do. Sure. It's the hardest because you can't force someone to do it. Right. But it's the easiest because it costs nothing. Right. It requires zero resources. Zero. To just have an open mind. Right. And and just just uh, listen. See, that's who I am. I like That is so who you are. <laughs> I like to listen to people. You are a listener. I like to talk to people. Oh, I like no. to the thing is if I don't listen, I can't share my perspective. Yeah. And I, I don't really you know, I'm not a big like I, I no one has to believe or think the things I think mm-hmm. or believe in, but I want people to know who I am. Yeah. That's why it's important. Yeah. Because if you understand what I am or who I, who I am or where I come from, mm-hmm. then you know I think you'll be better for it, and I'll be better for yeah. it. Because when I share, uh, it only solidifies who I am more. Totally. But if I share and then listen, uh, then I can gain perspective and hopefully become better. This is actually also a really good balance because I'm a talker. Sure. And I listen to respond, and you listen uh-huh. to hear, or whatever. You hear to sure, listen, sure, and I'm yeah. here to respond. Right. You know, it's a good secret balance. It is. Now, I want to interrupt this for a second, okay. because Paul and I have been trying to brainstorm, because Paul's, like, designed to be a podcaster. This is true. This like, is you true. are made for this medium, and here you well, are. Because uh, I, if there's one thing I do, yeah, and it's, I wish I could make a career out of it, is that Conversations. I'm a conversationalist. Oh, it's what I 100%. do. I talk to people, and I'm a storyteller. Yes. So if I could get a job where I just I'm public speaking, that's or like me doing what you do. Yeah. Well, this is so, this, so. Here's so this is our new our new plan. Sure. For Paul. Here we go. Okay. Um, this is the first time hearing of it. No, too. no, you'll recognize. Okay. It because we talked about this last time I was here. Tell me, listeners, if you think this is a good idea. Okay. So Paul. I learned from him so much because he's this conversationalist. And I'm actually not a very good conversationalist. I'm a I'm gonna stand up on stage and tell stories, and if someone asks actually asks me a question, I like turn into this like introverted mumble jumble. Okay. <laughs> so Paul though, he is super like you can go up to anyone, you're like your dad. You can go up to sure. anyone on the street and be like, hey, tell me who you are. Right. Like let's take this moment and like learn from each other. And so two years ago, I gave the whole family a game. 
you remember yeah. this? Yes, it's, yes. It's called the Huga game. Yes. Now we're Danish, so Huga is a big deal. Right. Go Google it. But it's basically the sense of cozy, warm family time together conversation yeah. like there's a whole yeah, bunch of connectivity like, yeah, it's yeah. This, there's a whole bunch of words to describe it and so this this game is a, a bunch of cards that have conversational questions right so we want paul to do a podcast about like huga right where you have conversations based on those conversation sure. cards i think, I think it, it's so smart i think it would be smart too i yeah. think it's finding the right people mm-hmm. i know i know some interesting people i think that would be Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be down. So I'll, I'll start it. I just need to think of a name, and then I need everyone who listens to this to subscribe. To it. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. There we go. When I was in New York last a couple of visits ago, there sure. was a guy sitting on Union Square at a little desk with a typewriter, and it said, uh, po- po- "On demand poetry, one dollar." You could have like a little desk that says, "Want to be on my podcast?" Sure. Come have a conversation, totally sure. free, and it would just be like random New Yorkers. It would be like pony, but with conversations. That'd be interesting for sure. Yeah. And I have a very interesting circle of friends. Yeah. That I think would would lend some interesting. Uh, you could like go set up outside of Trader Joe's and be like, "Want to be on my podcast?" That's true. <laughs> oh, actually, where I live, it would be the worst. It'd just be a bunch of angry i live in a town of commuters they all commute to new york and they're just the meanest people mad and mean everyone's so angry (laughs) just so mad Uh, maybe they would have good stories (laughs) maybe who knows okay so second so the follow-up book to this the first book so we have one without the other yeah and then this one is so the next two books are about the house so the first one is all for one sure supporting individuals in an inclusive classroom right okay because you need both perspectives to do this so the first one is how do i support an individual and the second book is well how do i support a classroom of individuals and so the first one is the perspective of a student who needs additional support and the second book is okay well if i'm a classroom teacher and i have students Mm -hmm. who have ieps how do i include those as a part of my plan for everybody so they're going to go hand in hand very closely together okay and kind of about this idea of learning from each other i'm hoping that you know classroom teachers will read all for one mm-hmm. and support teachers will read so the second book is so it's all for one and the second one is one for all that's perfect right so they yeah. go together because it's idea is like how do we support all the places for one kid right. and then the second one is all for one one for all which is how do i just make one plan for all kids right so it's, it's great this kind of universal design approach to be like okay it's okay that you have difference in your classroom right it doesn't necessarily mean that every single kid needs an iep but if you do have ieps how mm-hmm. do you use that to still only make one plan because like nobody has time to make more than one plan no teacher i've ever met has time to make more than one plan. So right. how do we use that information to design for the diverse community that you have? Love it. That'll be out in 2030. Yeah. <laughs> 2035 now. 2035. Uh, since we've taken so much time on this podcast. Ah, it's so uh, fun. Okay. So this is my last question. Yeah. And I think this is a great one for, for people to hear your perspective on. Okay. But then also I would hope that everyone's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this, you're probably down with inclusion. I hope so. Right, yeah. or at least trying to figure out where figure you fit out, in the world of totally and how to do it. Sure, yeah, totally. So, I would love to hear your perspective, but then I want everyone who's listening to yeah. take this question and think about think about it and uh, apply this to their journey. Yeah. Whether you're a parent, teacher, yeah. uh, whether As you're driving to work, driving to California, driving whatever you to do, San Diego, set, sitting on a plane. Sure. Think about this. Question. Think about this question. Okay. So, what is your big dream? Okay. with inclusion and then also to tag on to that what's yeah so what what's your big dream and then what's your big vision for inclusion okay that's it okay 
so everyone write that down yeah take what's out your phone your dream what's your big dream what's your vision and what's your vision okay so for inclusion for inclusion so i have two answers go for it <laughs> so when i think about inclusion i think of inclusion in two ways the philosophical understanding and the practical implications okay and sometimes those are very far apart right and so i think sometimes people get really wrapped up in the why it's important but then mm -hmm. they don't know how right or they get really wrapped up in the how that they forget why it's important okay okay and if you lose the why it's important it's very easy to also then stop doing the how kind of that's how we got where we're at now exactly guess, right and because if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing it's very very easy to find the reasons why you shouldn't do it hmm. right like right. there's there's a million reasons why we shouldn't do inclusion there's a million right but this is about how do we find the reasons why and how it can hmm. and you can't do that if you don't know why we're doing this in the first place Right. Okay, so my first dream is on the practical side. My okay. my vision is that this inclusion process or like diverse teaching to diversity, and I, and I really believe this. If we're really going to make this shift, that this is actually becomes easier than what we're already doing. Hmm. Like that, this process of designing for and allowing kids to be diverse without assimilating them becomes an easier process than the factory model of trying to make everyone the same because right. we have to be able to have people who don't believe in inclusion look at the process and be like i want to do that that's easier right so that's my practical dream okay and so i really believe that it's possible but it's different than what we're doing okay okay it's not more work but it's different, different. okay right. number two and this is the story this is a story that i'm going to share because okay. this just happened last week okay and i think it really sums up the second piece which is you lose track if you lose track of the the why, the why. right you lose you don't know what to advocate for you don't know what the how is okay right. so i was recently invited to um speak uh, so basically february is alberta's convention teacher right. convention month and so there's a whole bunch of huge 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 conferences mm -hmm. in calgary and edmonton and so there's a lot of us speakers who kind of do like the, the Alberta convention tour, the circuit, the circuit. And it's huge. Like when I was in Calgary, like I spoke with Arlene Dickinson from Dragon's Den. Like these are like oh, big no speakers, right? There's 2000 people in the session. Like it's just massive. Okay. It was probably the biggest audience that I've ever had. And so I did that, had a great time. But then also if I'm in the city already, often some local organizations will say, Hey, why don't you come out and do an evening session or whatever? So this this happens a lot. So on this particular <laughs> evening, which was just a couple weeks ago, I was invited to present to um, an organization that supports families who have children with Down syndrome. Okay. Okay. So it's 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 not like a segregated program, but it is a supplemental support for families. So they have um, so it's their evening programs, okay. or some day programs. It, and I this is mainly for the parents. It's for both. Oh, really? For parents okay. and for kids. Um, it's a really lovely community, actually. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Prep. And uh, so anyway, so I go, and this session is for parents. Okay. Okay, so there's probably, I would say, 150 people. Really nice snacks. Samosas. Ooh. Chicken wings. Sign me they up. They did it up. Beautiful view of Calgary. Oh, nice. You're from Calgary. My hometown. Totally. Go Flames. Yeah, go Flames. And so I'm there, and so this is the first time many of them have seen me, right? 
And uh, I love talking to parents because like they live this every day. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like parents get inclusion because you're not going to segregate one of your kids <laughs> for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like sure. they, they have to be inclusive because yes. they're your kids. It's right. Life. And so I can understand that parents get really frustrated when, you know, they grow up with these kids who are just their kids and all of a sudden they go to school and now these kids are now different. Right. Than the rest. Like, you know, so there's a struggle there. But parents also don't have often, like, the background research and understanding and pedagogy of where inclusion came from and why we need to do it. Right. Right. So these parents are there and we're together for about two hours. And so I tell them the, the spiel of why inclusion matters to me. And we have lots of talk time or whatever. And we get into the, okay, well, you know, how is inclusion often misunderstood, right? Because the biggest misunderstanding is that inclusion means we're just forcing people together in the same room and we're just going to make it work. But it's not, like, you can't just physically exist somewhere and you be in a community, right? right? Like, this takes, you have to build it, okay? So we have this incredible night. We laugh, we tell stories. But the big the big part of that night was understanding the why mm-hmm. and what inclusion is today, right? which is different than when it was five years ago which is different than it was 10 years ago. So right. for parents, this is important because sometimes parents get information where it's like, I'm advocating for the inclusion of five years ago. Sure. Not the inclusion of today. So that was really like, what does inclusion look like today? Right. And how do we advocate for inclusion today? Right. Okay. So anyways, great session. We had a great time. So parents are coming up to me and there's some self-advocates there. We're doing photos and stuff. And then this couple came up. Well, how many people were at the session? Like 150. Okay, thank okay. you. And I have a plane to catch, so I don't have a lot of time. Right. Okay. And then this young couple comes up to me and they're super young, like, like new, like with it married within five years. Okay. They're babies. Right. They're babies. And they come up to me and dad's really tall, pretty quiet. And then the, the mom is just like, thank you so much. Like we have a three year old. We love her. She's amazing. (laughs) The dad's kind of still being a little quiet. And, uh, and then, uh, and he kind of looks at me. He's like, I'm sorry if this is weird. I'm like, what? And he goes to me, he's like, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, okay. He's like, our daughter is included. And it's great. Right. He's like, because people tell us that inclusion is good. But he goes, I didn't know why it was good. Oh, really? You know? And he looks at me, he's like, I didn't know why it was good. And now that I get it, he goes, and he starts to tear up a little bit. He's like, this was like church. Right. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, I, he's like, I realized that the why is spiritual, you know? And he goes, I didn't even realize that connection. He's like, we're very, we're very faithful people. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and I didn't see inclusion. They, it was disconnected from our faith. And he right. goes, and he's like, what we realized today is that like this, this is our faith. Right. This, right. Cause a big part of the conversation was, is does our practice or how we live align with what we believe? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he's like, I, we knew it was important cause people told us, right. but we didn't know that they it was part it. that we're, li- it's part of our fundamental belief system of who we are. Sure. And he gets so choked up. He was so cute. Oh. And I'm like, and I'm like, I have to, I have to hug this man. Sure, right? Cause sure. you can just see, so like, he's like, I'm so glad you hugged me because I was going to hug you anyway. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, just so sure. cute. And so it was yeah. this beautiful family who, you know, like I get it. Like people are told what to do. Sure. And, you know, sometimes we lose track of the why, but the why is the core of our being. Right. 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 And so for this family, it was this, this almost religious experience. And that may not be the case for everyone, sure. but what it really helped me to see is like, 
this isn't just something that's on paper. This right. isn't just a policy document. This isn't just right. a funding formula. Sure. This, it's fluid. It fills in the is, gaps of... This is a part of who we are as people. Right. And so, like, their their daughter, who's three, is going through the motions of this life. And yeah. so if you ask me like, kind of what my vision is, is that families and teachers and government officials and all of the people that, that are needed to make inclusion happen, mm-hmm. that you realize that we cannot do the what unless we know that this is the why of this is not just for efficiency. It's not no. even just because of human rights. It's right. because this is who we are as a person. Right. This is a, this is a, this is a spiritual connection right. to whatever you think is. Sure. It's the core of who we are as humans. Because it's right? good. It is good. It is good. It's as simple as that. It it's is just It is the good. right thing yeah. to do. Right. I think I, I love that because it's yeah. it's the right thing to do because we are Ev- good. Everyone deserves, everyone deserves to be part of it. Yeah. Like, and it being life. Right. Right. No one should be excluded from life. No. And you know what? It's going to be hard to get there. And it is hard to get there. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. And we're going to have to try and change people's minds. Right. When you when you saw his uh, eyes tear up, <sighs> what was your initial Well, I initial mean, thought? like, I just, I think to like, you know, because we come back, we come from a very, very faithful upbringing. Sure. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And, and even for me, sometimes you get wrapped up in the whole work thing and you're, you, oh, you yeah. kind of lose track of the, do I believe in what I'm doing? Like in general, right. whatever your belief systems are. And like, we grew up that to be kind and loving and patient and all of these 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 incredible right. traits that aren't specific to the faith that we grew up in, right, right? right? But sometimes you get so lost in the day-to-day busyness of life and the day-to-day busy- busyness of inclusion right. that you kind of forget that, like, wait a second, like, let's just take a step back for a second and be sure. like, we're doing this for a reason that is so much bigger than all of this. Right. I think it's actually, that story is a great example because the the work of inclusion and mm-hmm. gaining understanding and helping it evolve and develop is to uh, is to to approach it with love, right? That's it. That's it. And and yeah. to appro- approach it with an with a a view that you know we this is good. This, this is, is good, good for people. This is, is good, good for us, and yeah. it's out of love that we do it. Yeah. So I think that's a good. No, totally. And I, and I appreciate that it's still going to require resources and sure. funding and time and all of those things. Right. But if we get lost. If we get lost in the resources and funding and things, sure. then it, it just becomes, becomes it becomes a gatekeeper. Then the bureaucracy of every totally. Right. So like, well, we can't do this unless we have funding. Well, right? No, that's not true. No, we can do it because it's good. We can do it because it's good. We can do hard things. And we are also going to advocate for funding. Sure. We are also going to advocate for resources. Right. But we cannot say it's like saying I can't love until I have resources. Right. Right. I can't be joyful until I have resources. Like these aren't right. these are competencies that are not reliant on anything. Right. And so. I guess that moment was really, that's my vision, is that people, inclusion to people is like asking them why, like, how do you feel that water is wet? Sure. Well, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> I don't know any different because this is just who we are. Right. Right? This right. is just a part of who we are. It's it's your initial reaction. Yeah. It's right. really like, well, because this is, well, this is just this. Sure. Right? And kids answer it like that. Hmm. But adults, we still don't answer it like that. Right. Right. So that is... The wrap up too, but I, but the books are going to help with the how because we Great. can't just live in the clouds and la la land of belief systems. No, we got to. We have to take it. the action right. and implementation, which I totally appreciate. People are people may not know how to do. Great, and so that is what the goal of the next the partner books are for. I love all it. for one, one for all. There we go. Whoo! Three hour podcast done. There you go. So <laughs> listeners, yes, take a second, think about what your vision for inclusion is. 
how you know how do you want to see the why and how that connects to your heart because I think that's an important thing that's that, yeah. that was your whole story is is yeah. understanding the why yep. and keeping that keeping that central central mm-hmm. yeah because it's easy to get you know oh, the head so, overtake the heart it's so easy yeah it's in both sides it's easy to get lost in the why it's easy to get lost sure. in the how it's bringing those things together that yeah, we need that to make true. this happen I've worked for a lot of nonprofits yeah. over my lifetime and uh, it's funny when a nonprofit uh, their heart companies, but then they start getting run like head companies. Yes, and it totally you lose, you, you lose yeah. the you lose the heart. You lose the you know it's the, the soft part. So keep the why, keep the why the focus, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Done. Awesome. Do good always. Right. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want people to know right now? Uh, um, what's well, some current events that we can not well, current events well, but things current, that I think we should mention yeah. that we kind of mentioned is um, go check out the book lists the resource recommended resources and links for that are on Twitter Twitter Facebook Instagram, Instagram and YouTube they're all there so Great. go take a look at re- resources I've been adding to them as I get more recommendations so Perfect. go take a look at those I heard you've been designing some t-shirts oh I've been designing some t-shirts sure iPhone cases sure. I think I was waiting for a script and I said Shelly is that script already and you said oh I'm designing a t-shirt <laughs> You know, yeah, we get there eventually. Yeah, we'll it's convoluted. Get there. Sure. So I think those are two things to look out for. Um, we're going to, yeah, keep working on some content. More content. Content, and Always then content. Uh, we're just gonna keep, we're just gonna keep on going on. Great, and I think uh, watch out for a survey. We have to. We're gonna create a survey. Okay. To ask people some questions. What so do wanna, what do you want to hear about? I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear people's stories. Yeah. And what's connecting? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to look at that and mm-hmm. and see maybe there's something we could do more of. Uh, questions, your questions. Send your questions. Totally. I have a nice, actually, bank of questions that are starting to come in. Great. That we're going to have a little, like, question corner. We can make another podcast. So many podcasts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so, everyone. Have, have, have a great wait, March. Am I sending everyone off? Or oh, you, you sign everybody. You're, s- you're the host. I'm the host this time. Yeah. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do. Just if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, wherever you take your podcasts in, just subscribe. Uh, subscribe to YouTube. Connect on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All the things. All the things. All the socials. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to everyone real soon. So soon. So soon. Bye, friends. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the Five More Minutes podcast. The Five More Minutes podcast was produced by Shelley Moore and Paul Madsen. And you can find Five More Minutes on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.